Welcome to The Next Turn, the home of conversations about skiing, ski racing, and sport. I'm your host, Martin Wilson, and after a lifetime as an athlete and a coach, and with a continuing love of skiing, I wanted to take a deep dive and have honest conversations with the sport's most successful athletes, coaches, and forward thinkers. So join me in my pursuit of better, to be better coaches, better athletes, better parents, and better fans. This week, a conversation with Jeff Lackey. Welcome back to The Next Turn. Thanks so much for joining us. A special thanks to last week's guest, Hannah Soar, for an incredible interview. She is a special young athlete, and boy, is it easy to cheer for her. I want to say thank you to all of you for liking and sharing and rating and reviewing this podcast wherever you're listening. It goes a long way to sharing the word about The Next Turn, and we really appreciate it. As always, I'm joined with Jeff and Kara. Kara, how are you doing? Hey, Martin, I'm great, and I'm really looking forward to tonight's interview uh, with Jeff Lackey. Now, you and uh, Jeff Vibert sat down with Jeff, um, and I'm I'm excited to sort of hear what you had to say. I'm looking forward to peeking behind the curtain, if you will. Uh, I mean, this guy is one of our own. Like The fact that he began his coaching career at, um, at an Escarpment Ontario ski club coaching U-12s is pretty incredible. He's now coaching one of the most celebrated and dynamic skiers in history, Michaela Schifrin. And as a program director myself, I'm curious to hear about what it's really like. Um, this guy's had an incredible career. He came up from, as I said, coaching U-12s to the Ontario ski team, to the Alpine um, ski team of Canada. He's had over 20 years experience and he's been with um, Michaela Schifrin for six years now. Um, Jeff, you started your coaching career coaching U-12 uh, as well, right? Uh, are you on the same trajectory as uh, Jeff Lackey? <laughs> I don't think I'm going the same uh, same way as Jeff did, Kara, at this stage of my life. But uh, yeah, I did. And, um, you know, Jeff is such a cerebral guy and he is, you know, he has such great perspectives on, on skiing and ski coaching and what it takes to get there. And we'll talk about it a little bit later. But Martin, like this guy is you know, he is a ski nerd, I think, right? He is a ski nerd, but he's he's a really good guy, too. Um, I've known him for a few years. We shared Thanksgiving dinner together probably 15 years ago now uh, when he was with the Ontario team. Um, and we've kept in touch. And watching him go through his career has been pretty amazing. But knowing him when he was, you know, just like just starting off with the Ontario team, it was clear that he was a, a thinker. He was a data guy and he loved the science and it's really, really cool to see what he's done um, and his efforts with Michaela and that camp. Um, but it really is a great conversation and I encourage you all to listen and keep in mind too that he's talking about Michaela Schifrin. He's not talking about your 12 year old son or daughter. So let's just keep that in perspective as we go forward here. But here is Jeff Lackey on the next trip. We spoke with with Gar and Phil a couple of weeks ago, and they gave or Gar gave the stat that you are on snow that you're planning 11 hours of downhill traffic a year, and then you sort of plan from there. I've always been impressed with your your planning and your use of data, and I want to get to that in a little bit. But with the planning of 11 hours in a season. It's going to be a tough one to answer, but where do you start with that? Where do you start planning? 
if you look at most World Cup athletes, you look at most athletes that are skiing, you know, 120 days a year, they're maybe doing seven runs of, you know, a 30 second course, uh, which is three and a half minutes a day. Um, they're pumping out like seven hours a year. So, you know, like obviously we're trying to manipulate those variables, um, either doing more runs in a day, doing longer runs in a day, um, or doing more days on snow in order to, um, get more quality time on task. And, uh, when I'm referring to like time on task, I'm talking about the time you push out of the gate to the time you get to the bottom, because our sport is defined by time and no other metric other than that. So when I'm comparing and contrasting, um, athletes volumes, that's the only metric that matters, uh, right now is, um, is time. I can compare the amount of time an athlete spends skiing super G versus slalom. Whereas if I'm looking at like direction changes or gates, um, those metrics just, you know, it's hard to come up with a system to actually compare because obviously you're going to ski far fewer direction changes super G than you are slalom. Um, just to be clear on that. And as far as, um, you know, that that's, that's the art of, of kind of coaching and trying to figure it out because you're going to run into some hard limits, um, budgetarily speaking, when you start exceeding 120 days, uh, on snow and also, you know, trying to fit in all the other things that go along with that, the travel, um, just living your life, uh, recovery from, from that training stress. So, um, yeah, you're just trying to strike that balance and optimize and then hopefully get as many, um, hours as you can at the end of the year, uh, in gates. And that'll vary from, from athlete to athlete. I mean, you look at Marcel Hershey, he was, you know, not skiing at all during the summer. He basically stopped the world cup finals and then start up if the weather was nice, you know, end of August. Um, and, uh, clearly he was very successful and other athletes are going to need, uh, more, more hours in gates, um, over the course of the season. The time on the quality time on task, I think is obviously the whole game, right? But your use of data, I guess, what else are you tracking? Are you tracking any, like, what are the, the, the five sort of tracking points, if there are, other than time on tasks that you're following and that you're using to better plan and better prepare and better execute? Um, it's a great question. But I think I'm going to deflect and say, for right now, the, the metric that is going to give you the best bang for your buck is, is, you know, minutes and gates. That's, you know, how many minutes are you skiing per day? Um, and, and looking at how the average length of, of those runs, um, because obviously if you're skiing, you know, a 75 second course and you're skiing six minutes, um, that's a huge day. And that's going to be really taxing because you're over that 40, 45 second, um, effort. Um, and you're repeating it multiple times versus, um, you know, a day of only 20 second runs and you're doing, you know, maybe still six minutes, but it's only a 20 second effort. So your body's able to recover and you're not going to feel, um, as physically tired. You may be mentally tired, but as physically tired, uh, the following day. And, and that's, you know, then it comes down to like, just like any other, uh, training stimulus, you want to vary it. So, you know, if you're going to train X, on Monday, then you want to train Y, um, on Tuesday and, and, you know, spread it out. So you're not hitting the athletes with the exact same stimulus every single day. Cause 
you know, that's sure to just wear them down. When, when you think of those X days, Y days, how far out do you plan those? Um, and, it, and are they all methodically placed? Um, and how close do you get to executing those with all the schedule changing and training venues and, and travel? How close do you get to pulling off what you're hoping to pull off? Yeah. Well, we're not coaching, uh, swimming, are we? Yeah. Definitely. Uh, yeah. A lot of factors, um, to contend with. And, um, it, it almost seems at times like the competition calendar is made to be as convoluted and complicated as possible. I mean, we just left Slovakia, you know, drove eight hours to Munich last night and then uh, another three hours to Zurich today. And then we fly to Sweden tomorrow. And I mean, like, you know, could we train the last few days? No, not at all, because we had everything, all the travel associated with it. So you just have to basically, you know, pick, pick your days and, and find windows of time between competitions to, to really uh, hit the reset button and, and get some, some quality training done. And that's not always easy, especially when racing multiple events like Mikhail has done in the past. Um, how, how does that, how does that decision-making process happen? Is it you, and Mike and Michaela sitting around a table looking at the calendar, the, 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 on short term, I guess, weather and how you're feeling. How does, how does that day-to-day decision-making process, um, who sits at the table for that? Yeah. I mean, definitely as a coach, you want to like, first and foremost, build autonomy in your athletes. Um, and Michaela is very much driving, you know, what she needs and when she needs it. And, we're trying to put together, you know, the most attractive options for her. And, uh, and then she chooses, uh, you know, which, which of those options uh, she thinks makes the most sense for what she needs. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, the athlete knows best what, what, what she, what she needs, how she's feeling. Um, you know, the data can, can help support that. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, she knows her body better than anybody, better than any metric. So you just have to trust, trust in that and um, make sure that, uh, yeah, you're presenting options that uh, give her the, the best chance. Is that what you see your role as, is to, to do your research so you can provide the best options for Michaela? The number one job of any coach is to like believe in your athlete. If you don't believe in the athletes you're working with, you're kind of dead in the water to begin with and you're never going to be able to build any sort of like relationship and and you know if you can't influence them in a positive way then you're not going to be able to coach or teach them effectively so um yeah that i would say the data is more for me than it is for anyone else i'll be the first to admit that and i think it just um it helps me frame uh, what it is that we're actually doing um day to day and um you know, as, as coaches, we're, we're inherently biased to seeing what we want to see, right? We want to connect A to B. That's what it's our human nature to want to do that. So, you know, I just hedge my bets, um, and try and collect as much data as I can so that, um, you know, the stuff that I don't know doesn't come back to bite me in the ass. If that makes sense. (laughs) It makes a lot of sense in this industry, doesn't it? Um, I think you're right because like, that respect that the athlete has for you and for what you say is, is paramount. So you have to be honest and you have to be prepared and you have to be right quite often. Huh? Um, who, 
Who else is in that bubble on a daily basis with Michaela? No, I mean, like her, her mom has always been and will always be like, you know, the biggest influence in her in her career. Um, and, uh, you know, our serviceman is, is now Johan um, and he's, he's great. I mean, like Atomic, I don't, I don't know exactly their recipe for producing unbelievable servicemen, but uh, yeah, they've, they've clearly got it figured out because um, Kim was awesome. Johan's awesome. We're, we're very fortunate to have, uh, have the support we get from Atomic. How much do you, how much do you and Mike work on the equipment piece is that a daily thing? Is that a constant thing with Johan? Is it is? Are there days where Michaela just feels it doesn't work, and you guys have a plan B lined up with different skis, different setups? Can you talk a little bit about how you work the tech or the the equipment setup, and what goes into that to maintain it? Michaela is is the one that ultimately um, is is driving that as well. I mean, she can feel the most like imperceptible, you know, change in her setup. Um, something that, um, I, I don't think many athletes can and, uh, um, yeah, atomic presents options that, that are clearly, you know, moving her in the right direction, uh, with her equipment. And, and it's, you know, it's an ever moving target. You know, the two years ago we had, uh, you know, like one world cup slalom. It was actually icy. And then the rest were, like freestyle. And then, you know, you got, uh, Korea Olympics was like super dry and aggressive snow. And, you know, there's all these different, uh, variables that we have to contend with in our sport. And, you know, it's not unique to our team. Every team has these same challenges and, um, it's, it's just finding equipment that optimizes, um, a given athlete's performance, uh, under specific variables. Is that what does make you good that you, that you're just prepared that you guys that you guys run a tight ship that you're efficient and it or is it sort of your use of energy and your use of Michaela's energy is what makes you guys so good as a unit first first and foremost I mean you're you're only as good as the material you work with and um you know talent alone doesn't doesn't win championships um you know it's supported by character and um, obviously Michaela has, has that in spades and she, uh, you know, she is who she is and because of the effort that she puts in, I mean, you, talent is only a starting point. It's not, it's not where you ultimately finish. And I think, um, it's easy to like, see her do what she does and think like, wow, she made that look effortless. But the reality is, is, you know, that was countless hours of like really deliberate, hard, you know, at times boring, repetitive uh, work to get to that level. Um, speaking of that long, boring, repetitive work that makes her so good, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about what you thought good skiing is. Like, what is it? What What do you see, like, basic good fundamental movements? What are those movement patterns that you're looking for? Like, at the world cup level. And if you'd humor us sort of come back a little bit to what do you think a good U 16 looks like? What do you think a U 14? I know you haven't seen them for a while, but what would you dream that they're doing to get them to where you, to the level that you're working at? I think ultimately, I don't know if it was, I think it was Burkhardt who said this, but yeah, you know, he's like the outside ski worked a hundred years ago and it still works today. And, you know, I think, um, 
we've sort of like muddied the water in that regard and we've lost uh, focus on, on what really matters. And that's, um, you know, being able to achieve connection and, and fluid movement through, through outside ski connection. And, that, and I think with athletes um, at all levels, that, that should be the primary goal. I mean, and how you go about um, making that connection um, it might vary. And that's, that's what makes the sport exciting. You, know, you watch a world championships, you watch an any world cup, you know, there's definitely key elements that are consistent among everyone. But uh, everyone goes about solving that problem in a slightly different way. On that note, do you think it's reasonable to try and replicate the Michaela model? And if so, how do you do it as a U12 or U14 coach? Well, it's just, it's, it's fundamentals at every level. I mean, you know, everyone um, needs to work on, um, establishing a level of consistency and a level of competence in, in those fundamentals. And, um, you know, I can't, I can't stress enough how important it is that athletes have exposure, um, to that quality, uh, movement at a young enough age that they can have that compounding effect, uh, as they get older. Um, you know, we, those days on snow, that timing gates, I mean, that, that has to be achieved at a young age. And, um, you know, I, I realize that, you know, we, we need athletes to be, you know, multi-sport athletes. We need them to be exposed to a variety of different activities. Um, but it's just so difficult to get, uh, that necessary amount of time on task, uh, in alpine skiing when it's like inherently inefficient. I mean, you look at any other sport and you spend, you know, like you get onto the soccer pitch, you're instantly on the soccer pitch, kicking a soccer ball or doing soccer related activities for an hour. Um, you know, we have a really productive day of training and it might be, you know, six minutes to eight minutes of actual time in gates. So it's really difficult to like compare apples to apples in that regard. And, and that's where, um, you know, you have to find efficiencies and you have to be really deliberate about what you're doing because you just can't afford to sacrifice um you know even a minute of the time that you're on snow um because you know over the course of 10 15 years um you know that adds up and and you've lost that that compounding effect <laughs> that's so vital isn't it you you've mentioned before jeff that uh, you consider I, I may get the wording wrong but Michaela, a master of movement mastery. Like she's really good at, at figuring out movements and mastering them. What makes her good at that physically and what makes her good at that mentally? That like For someone to pick up something quickly and master it means that there's a lot of focus, but there's a lot of openness to, to trying something new. Am I far off with that with Michaela? I'm going to just speak generally about all athletes that are good at what they do um not just specifically to Michaela but I mean Please. it's a form of intelligence right like you're you're essentially solving a problem there's a problem I need to you know get from gate a to gate b in the most efficient way possible um and I need to coordinate you know my limbs and my body and take into account centrifugal force and gravity and everything else and and do you know, do the turn in, in the most effective way possible. And, uh, and there's a bunch of, you know, 
calculations going on and, and they make it look effortless, but, um, yeah, anybody that that's really good at their, their craft, um, there's a high degree of intelligence in, in what they're doing and, and their execution. And, uh, and Mikhail is no different in that regard. We'll be right back. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. And as always, share your thoughts of the day with us at thenextturnpodcast.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Next Turn Podcast. Now back to our conversation with Michaela Schifrin's coach, Jeff Lackey, on The Next Turn. Do you mind if I talk to you a little bit about FIS and some of, there's been a lot of talk lately about some of the sets, some of the surfaces, some of the safety, um, and also some of the say of the athletes and coaches. Uh, the, you've made some adjustments in how you guys have trained based on some of the sets that you've seen. You obviously make adjustments in your training based on what the surfaces you're, you're, you're seeing and what you think is going to come up. Do you have any concerns on, on those two issues, specifically the sets and the surfaces? Uh, you know, I was having a conversation recently about just with somebody that, that I talked to on a regular basis about coaching and they were asking me, you know, about uh, another coach and this, this will circle back to your question. I promise they <laughs> take the long they, way. We got you. Everybody, everybody's just trying to do the best job they can. You know, like, I mean, nobody's got a silver bullet. Everyone is just, just trying to you know, coach the best they can or be the best athlete or the best serviceman, or in the case of this, um, produce the best events possible. And, uh, I mean, like, you know, as much as we, uh, like to criticize, I mean, every sport people are criticizing, uh, different aspects of it. And, and these are sports where like a lot of variables are eliminated, like the size of the, you know, football field is the same for every game. The, you know, uprights are the same. I mean, there's like literally every variable that you could possibly control with the exception of weather is, is accounted for and people still find ways to complain about, you know, rules or calls or whatever. So, I mean, I don't think that's ever going to end. Um, it, it makes for, you know, interesting banter, but, um, it's, it's just the reality of our sport and, um, yeah, I think, you know, you need to adapt. Um, if you find yourself in a situation where, you know, the course setting has, has evolved away from where, you know, you need to be, then, you know, you need to adapt and adapt or die. That's kind of the, the model, right. In any, in any sport. And, and we, we've seen that in other sports where there's been a paradigm shift and people go about things in a different way. And some athletes are able to adapt and, and, some athletes aren't on that note with honest intent and some of the variables. I, I I'm new to this Jeff, so don't get mad at me, but I feel like I got it. Like yesterday there was, there was a few holds on the race and it was reported that, and, and there was banter about fist and the race organizing committee having that extra hold before Michaela went, there was a few holds along the way. Does that matter to you at all? Does that even come on your radar? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it affects performance, then it needs to be on my radar. But um, it's also things that are outside of my control. And uh, yeah, again, that's that's part of the that's part of the game, and it's not 
yeah, it's not easy. Um, especially when you're, you know, in the gate and you're ready to go and, you know, it's a, it's a course hold, but, um, yeah, I don't really have much more to contribute to that, that question, to be honest. It's just, it's, it's an element of the sport and yeah, it's how it goes. As a coach, you think of what's in your coaching pack at the top and you're prepared for a lot of different things and, and you run scenarios with athletes for a lot of different situations. Is that something that you run? Like, can you train for that? Do you like get amped up, hold them, start, stop? Is that something you can work on or is that just instinct and experience that helps you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to simulate a race. I mean, that's why you have to race and, and there's nothing like the real thing. And, you know, we can, we can try and simulate that, that stuff. And oftentimes we do it inadvertently, like, you know, course holds happen and, and we'll have to call a stop start to, to address something, but um, yeah, it's not really something that we have a, a strategy uh, on and that we actually like contribute um, a lot of intentional time because it's just something that uh, implicitly happens within our day-to-day training. Um, I think throughout the, the career of a coach, um, what's important sort of evolves and it, and it changes. I remember I was fortunate enough to ride the lift with you and Mike and Michaela at Killington a couple years ago. And just in that short ride, you guys were talking about enjoying the successes a little bit more. And that played an important role. Now that was a couple of years ago. Is that still on your radar? Is that evolved? And is it more important now? What is enjoying the highs and embracing the lows? What is that? play in your thought process well i think let's go back to like you know when you first start skiing go way back and you know we start talking about like fundamentals and you know kids just having fun and i mean these aren't athletes it's just kids just kids that like to go fast and ski racing seems like something that you know would support that so they get involved and parents support it and you know, like the rest of their career is literally built on, on that foundation of fundamentals and, and having fun. And, um, you know, ideally an athlete will go through their entire career, um, and, and still be able to, you know, lean on that, that foundation of, of fun, because that is ultimately why we're doing the sport. And, uh, regardless of what your aspirations are, regardless of what level you're racing at, um, yeah, fun should be, should be in there in the mix. And, um, yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't mean that you don't have to put in the hard work, but, um, you have to enjoy the process along the way and you got to find that joy. Are you giving yourselves more high fives lately? <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Are we, should we be, are you allowed to, <laughs> I'm still not there with the Again, elbow that's... bump. I'm not okay with the elbow bump yet. Like I guess maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I hope you, I hope you get to when you, um, speaking of high fives, when you look back at the world championships and, and again, I want to, I want you to think of this as a coach, not necessarily as the coach of Michaela, but when you have a, when you're a coach and you come through an event like the world championships, or you look at, at the Olympics coming up and it's this two week kind of gauntlet of all highs and lows and everything and extra pressure. How do you plan for that? How do you plan to relieve the pressure and manage the pressure 
yeah, big events definitely uh, offer some unique challenges and uh, do our best to sort of uh, have an, an outline in place, but um, definitely coloring in in the weeks and, and you know, figuring out exactly um, where the training fits around the forecast and, um, you know, changes of schedule and everything else. I mean, you just have to stay flexible. I and mean, I think you can, I love to plan and, you know, create fancy looking Excel sheets, but the reality is uh, you just have to be really adaptable and, and resilient and, and uh, you know, know the, know the pieces that you need um, to, to feel confident and confident on race day. Um, and then, you know, try not to get too stressed out when, when things get jostled around a little bit. So long as you get all those pieces in place um, at some point, um, that's, that's all you can ask for. You guys are good, and Michaela's good on big days like it's her job because it is her job, right? But that there's a performance level there from all of you. Like, it's not just Michaela's a little better than some of the other athletes. I think that the coaching's a little bit better. The, the programming's a little better. The equipment's a little bit. Like, the, all these different categories are dialed up in your team. And that seems to help on those big days because you've got everything dialed in. Is that the biggest portion of it is that on those big days, you guys are so dialed in that you guys just get to do what you do on a regular basis? It certainly is the goal. (laughs) Whether it always uh, works out that way is, yeah. Uh, But I think if you do the work and, you know, you focus on those little appreciable gains, um, you know, throughout, throughout the the year, um, you can, you can fall back on them and, uh, you can just as easily fall short too. I mean, if you don't um, get what you need, uh, it's a very delicate balance. And uh, you know, been on the right side of it and been on the wrong side of it before. And uh, you know, you just continually are learning and revising uh, your tactics and um, looking to optimize how you go about planning in the future. But uh, certainly, you know, it, there's that that balance that every coach is trying to trying to achieve and you know like it takes a full a full team effort to do that you know it it's an individual sport but um you know everything's got to be working the equipment has to be working you know uh, the coaching staff needs to be you know on and receptive and um intuitive to what what's going on and uh and the athlete needs to feel like they're, you know, physically and mentally prepared um, to do what they need to do on race day. And um, yeah, I'm still learning, still trying to get better every time we do it. But certainly, uh, Cortina was a lot of fun, uh, amazing weather, phenomenal um, place to race. And uh, yeah, I mean, that was a big step forward from Kayla for four races, uh, four medals. Really, really happy for it. It's huge. It's huge, like whatever, like just to perform in four events like that, whatever color medals, it's just really underappreciated, I think. Like it's pretty incredible. Those expectations that come with Michaela and that team and your team, how do you live up to those? Like I, it drives me nuts when I see social media posts, like she comes third and people are like, you'll be back, you know, you'll be back, Michaela. Like, where'd she go? Like, she's pretty damn good all the time. How do you manage those expectations? Do you even care about them? Or is it just, 
here's the next opportunity to race. Let's get ready for it. Let's go. Well, I don't know if you've seen my uh, social media presence, but it's uh, virtually non-existent. Uh, and like, that's for a reason. I just, I can't, I can't handle like the, the comments and the trolls and, and everything else. It's just too distracting. And, um, and also too, I like, <laughs> there's this um, Stanford course you can take. It's like, basically like how to live a happy life and like you know lecture one is like delete all of your social media accounts like instantly you know like, i mean it's just it's 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 a reality of the world we live in now people you know have to have to have it um but uh boy it's uh it's certainly not conducive to good mental health in my opinion specifically what are those fundamentals that you want or you believe that a U16 should be doing and with a coach in 14 and 12, 10, you pick an age group, but could you fill in some of those windows of opportunities that you see to build a good ski racer? Well, I think um, as when I start to like get all philosophical and, and make a lot of like coach wooden uh, statements, but that's what I'm hoping you know, for. I mean, that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> the, the, the guy really was like, and is sort of still the, the master of, of coaching uh, in all sports. Um, and his big thing was character, right? Like that was like the most important thing. And I mean, I've been coaching now for 21 years and, uh, and I coached U12 at the Glen. I coached, um, you know, U16 at Alpine. Um, coach Ontario development team, Ontario team, Canadian national development team, Canadian team, and, and now with the U S team for this is my sixth year. But I mean, throughout that, that process, like the athletes you remember and the attributes of those athletes, you know, I don't remember, you know, what technical thing they were struggling to, to overcome, but I remember, I remember character and I remember the athletes that had character in spades and, uh, and, they were the ones that, that, that could put in the work, uh, to make the changes. And, uh, they were the ones that were most resilient and robust on race day. Um, they were the ones that, that built culture within, within a team and, um, were accountable. And I think, you know, more than anything, like I could you know, go off on a tangent and talk about technical attributes of skiing and, and break down, you know, each event, um, I, I certainly love talking about skiing, but, but I think more than anything, that's like, that's the thing that, you know, Mikhail possesses. Uh, that's the thing that everyone's striving to get. It's, it's culture or of character and having that character um, from a young age um, to sort of build all of your technique and all of your success on is, is super important. So when, when does that, take place uh, is there a certain age or i know you talked about we we've talked about this uh you know differences between their kids and then they become athletes and and you mentioned autonomy and autonomy for michaela is really important and she has a say and martin and i are you know always trying to build good human beings in our in all of our uh, athletes that we coach uh but is there a certain age where you can start to put them on or turn them towards that character building and autonomy and giving them some say and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. My sister um, coached like really young kids. I mean, I would, the first couple of years of skiing and, 
and she was a great motivator and sort of getting, getting them excited and like inspired. And, um, cause at the end of the day, like you can, you know, track how much vertical they ski, but if it's not deliberate and they're not like, you know, actively engaged in the process, like just mindlessly skiing down the hill. I mean, it's really difficult to like reinforce those, those attributes. And I think that's why you see, you know, you know, Christofferson, you know, Marcel Hersher, Michaela, I mean, there's all these examples of parents that have been heavily involved in, in, um, their success. And, and you, you need, you know, parents are going to go that extra mile. And especially at the young age, you know, they, they know, um, how their kids tick and like what they can do to motivate them, to keep them engaged and keep them motivated. And, uh, I think, coaches oftentimes are like you know they they'd rather just not deal with the parents but the parents hold a really unique key um that you know if they can get some extra mileage in with the parents um before or after programs um or you know an extra trip with them um and and keep them engaged for a little bit longer uh i mean we, we broke down those numbers kind of at the beginning of the talk but you know if you can just add you know, an extra 10 hours, you know, in, in the course of, you know, their, their formative years and, and their 10 hours of skiing that, that are, you know, fun and engaging and, you know, they're deliberately thinking about, you know, improving, um, that's going to have such a dramatic impact on where they end up when they're, you know, 15 to 20. Um, I mean, literally when you, when you're looking at an athlete who's, who's 20 years old, you're, you're seeing, you know, the foundation of, you know, what they had when they were 10 years old, you know, like the coach that they had when they were 12, that made them believe that they could be uh, something. And the parents that, you know, were like unconditionally supportive and, you know, drove them to all their races and found the money to like, you know, fund their career. And, um, you know, like, I mean, it's just, it, it's all these little things that add up. And I think oftentimes like people want like the silver bullet, like, well, you know, what is, what is, you know, so-and-so do, you know, at this specific moment, but it's, you know, it, it's such accumulation um, of, of little, little things. And I, and I think I would do a disservice if I didn't, didn't point that out. Yeah, that's great. And, and I just have one more follow-up to the, to the, we talk in philosophy question and we talked time on task and and deliberate practice and i know michaela we've all seen the the you know the burke videos of drills and and you know the commitment to perfecting a drill before moving on and we try and replicate that as much as we can with with our younger athletes so philosophy wise we talked about time and gates and there's all this pressure to put young kids or burgeoning athletes into gates and gates and gates and is there and i know there probably isn't a silver bullet answer to this question but what's your take on that should they be in gates as much as possible in that in their training window or should there be a good mix until a certain age gates are an obstacle and you know i think we fixate too much on them the idea is like to have like uninterrupted uh, turns that are fluid and dynamic and, you know, well-supported and um, sometimes gates get in the way of that. And if, 
if the gates are becoming an obstacle preventing an athlete from being able to achieve that that connection between turns um then you know it's a hindrance and it's not really helping them develop the skill set that they need i think you, you know you you watch some of the best athletes ski down the course and it's as though there wasn't even gates on the snow they're just skiing and you know that's that's always the goal it's just that really really fluid and dynamic skiing and um yeah gates gates are obviously a necessity in our sport they have to turn around them um but that's it, not everything so i think striking that balance is, is really important that's really great um oh, if i can switch gears uh one more time T- talk to me generally if you if you don't mind about the goal setting process um I, I mentioned it earlier but if you could get into sort of the weeds a little bit of of what what your philosophy on goal setting is how you pick them um and what's the criteria along the way i guess From my perspective, um, goals are like, rather than like trying to get the ball in the hole, you're basically trying to just shoot it down the fairway in a, in a straight line. And you're not too worried about, you know, what side of the fairway you end up on just so long as it's going in the direction of, of the hole. And, and I think oftentimes we get too caught up in like, overanalyzing like what you're going to do when you actually get on the green, let alone how you're going to get down the fairway in the most efficient way possible. Um, and you know, I, I'm not a golfer. I don't know why I chose to use golf analogies. I apologize to everyone, but <laughs> I think, you know, that's, that's, that's the, the best analogy that I can think of that. Um, yeah. People lose sight of like, what's, what's important and like the big swings that actually like carry the most distance and, get you the farthest towards your goal um, are the ones that you should spend the most amount of time thinking about. And, that, and that's the day-to-day training. That's, that's really what, what gets you to the green in the most efficient way possible. And then, you know, on race day, um, you know, hopefully you've done the work and um, you're prepared and you're feeling confident and um, yeah, you have your targeted events and, and, and you perform. But um, I think all too often, uh, there's a lot of people that just sort of skip over the important stuff and don't don't spend enough time thinking about it. We'll be right back. As always, thank you to our friends at 4951. Check them out at 4951.com for all your whiskey, gates, safety, and training needs. And now back to our conversation with Jeff Lackey on the next turn. You are finally getting some recognition for some of the good work you've done. And some of, like, I think of you as someone who's pushed science and data a little bit in the coaching industry. So I appreciate that. Um, You, can you talk a little bit about the U.S. Olympic or the para? um, Well, what is it? The National Team Coaches Leadership Education Program and your involvement with that. Can you talk a little bit about your involvement there and what you see the importance of that? Yeah. I mean, that's, I couldn't have lined up better. I mean, truthfully, when I first signed up for it, I was like, how am I even going to fit this into my schedule? And then COVID hit and I was running daddy daycare at home, uh, not traveling and, um, 
yeah, the USOPC national team coach education leadership program, um, was just awesome. I mean, really 20, uh, other coaches involved in, uh, and then a bunch of different cohorts from, from other years and, uh, everyone's, you know, sharing ideas on, on a forum and we had some, uh, some great presenters giving some, you know, really insightful, um, talks and and I think you know it just keeps you engaged and you know, I'm I'm hungry to learn and and always trying to find uh, new avenues for that and I, I did actually like the national and NCCP um, uh, high performance coaching program in Toronto uh, years ago and at the time I was like young and naive and I didn't appreciate the value that coaches from other sports can provide and like how much you can learn from, from other, other sports and other coaches. I mean, a lot of the problems that, that we face in, in our sport, you know, someone else from some other sport has, has already solved it. And if you just open your eyes and like talk to people and, you know, um, investigate other, other sports, you're bound to find a solution to your problem, especially in a sport as new as Alpine skiing. As new as Alpine skiing. I like how you said that. Well, relative to sprinting or you know, some of these track events that have been around for millennia. Can you think some, uh, uh, can you give a couple of specific takeaways that you had? Oftentimes like, you know, specific to this, this program that I've been like the coaches sharing, you know, similar concerns to you. I mean, like I'll be the first to admit, like, you know, I've, I've suffered from imposter syndrome feeling like I'm not, you know, deserving of, of the success that I've had or, or shouldn't be, you know, doing what I'm doing. And I think a lot of people struggle with that and, uh, talking to other coaches, um, you know, in other programs, um, makes you realize that a lot of people do and, and, and you, you know, you're there to work as hard as you can and learn as much as you can. And nobody's perfect. Everyone's, you know, uh, on this, this ride for the first time, just like you. And, uh, you know, we're all just trying to do the best job we can. I, I guess when you think of like, I've got a family, you've got a family that you're spending a lot of time on the road. How, what's the longevity of a, of a guy doing what you're doing? Like, that's a huge ask, right? When you must be getting something out of it, rewarded the experience for sure. But do you think of, do you see a finish line? I guess you can say no if you don't, but like, are you looking like, how do I get out of this and be at home a little bit more? I mean, yeah, family is like the most important thing to me and definitely um, this is challenging, but you know, I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And I think, you know, we're all trying to find that balance in our lives, like whatever your job is, whatever you're trying to do, um, everyone struggles with that. So I don't think I'm unique in that sense. Um, you know, I've, uh, I've made a commitment to this, this program, to this team. And, uh, you know, I honor my commitments and, um, yeah. And, you know, I'm rewarded with, uh, um, you know, the opportunity to coach, uh, in an amazing team. So. I love that. Um, you, you, because of what you've done in your career, you're going to have a, or you have an opportunity and you're going to continue to have a real opportunity going forward to steer the conversation of the sport a little bit. Is that something that you're, do you have an interest in, in steering that conversation? 
do you have an idea of where you want to steer that conversation or what impact do you want to have long-term? Like at the end of it, what impact do you want to leave? I guess it depends on what the conversation is. <laughs> Cause I'll be honest, like, um, if you know me, I, I pick my battles and I definitely, um, yeah. I appreciate that about you. I only have so many, I only have so many hours in a day like everyone else. And, you know, I, I definitely try and use that time as efficiently and effectively as possible. And, um, I think there's definitely a lot of people in this industry that are, um, all pulling the rope in the right direction, but there's definitely some that are pushing it in the wrong direction. And I think, um, yeah, it's, this this culture that we're we're trying to redevelop um, in, in North America um, is is admirable and it needs to be supported. But I think it also needs to be uh, organic and it needs to be our own. And you know, like I, I love when I don't know if you guys have read the book Legacy about the All Blacks, but people love to like you know quote like sweeping the shed. And if I just sweep the shed, then I'll I'll you know. I'll be as good as the All Blacks, and they're kind of missing the forest for the trees, and and what what that really represents to the All Blacks, and you know that that's a tenant, a core tenant of of their culture. Um, but just because you suddenly start sweeping up after practice doesn't mean you're going to have that same culture, and and the same goes for you know us in North America trying to emulate or um, recreate cultures of other successful alpine nations we need to go about creating our own culture and our own identity and our own brand and uh, getting people on board and and there's nothing easy about that (laughs) but it's the only way of producing authenticity and 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 a real uh, sustainable future in the sport what advice would you give jeff to you know a young young coach who has aspirations of getting to where, where you and some others have gone and coaching at that level? I mean, um, I stand on the shoulders of others. I mean, I've been incredibly fortunate to have had the chance to uh, have some phenomenal mentors um, in my career. And uh, I try and return the favor. I mean, I've had people reach out to me and, you know, I don't really know them very well, but I try and offer counsel where I can, because I think, you know, that that's super important that, that there is that network and that people can <clears throat> lean on one another and, um, you know, take strength from one another and, and insights, you know, like just as athletes may only ski 11 hours a year, uh, and we're going to make that super deliberate so that, um, those athletes get better, you know, the same goes for coaches. I mean, we're only setting so many courses. We're only, you know, watching so many runs of skiing. Um, so we, we too are at a deficit, like the whole sport. And, you know, we, we talk at the ultra high performance level of, you know, trying to extract an extra one or 2% from our, our athletes, you know, per year. Um, but we never stop to look at the coaches, you know, like how easy would it be to extract an extra, you know, five or 10% from, from your coaching staff, you know, and, and what turn in turn would that have, uh, on the athletes? I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's funny how we have all these strict guidelines, you know, athletes need to go to bed at a certain hour and 
I need to have proper hygiene and, you know, nutrition and everything else. And, and then for coaches, uh, we tend to, you know, turn an eye to that. But the reality is, is a, if you're sleep deprived or um, not in your A game, you're going to have a negative influence on the, on the athletes and the environment you're trying to create. And um, yeah, it makes a difference. That's why you're a pro Jeff. Like, honestly, it's, it's thinking like that, like, and you speak of the one or 2% gains in the athlete you're trying to get, and then we're trying to find gains in the coaches. Honestly, that's what we're trying to do here. That's why we're talking to you is trying to make those gains as coaches, you know, be better coaches, better athletes, better parents. That's, that's the plan. Yeah. And I think that you guys are doing a great job with that. I mean, that's, I'm excited that uh, you've got this platform and um, it's uh you know, this is something that, that is going to help with that culture piece and it's going to help, um, you know, create a more unified message. And that's, um, that's really important because, uh, you know, there is a lot of space, both physical distance, um, you know, and, and just metaphorically like between what people are doing in this country. Um, and I think, you know, the sooner we can bring everyone together, uh, on a lot of more, um, you know, symbiotic platform the better amen brother we'll be right back with our thoughts of the day welcome back special thanks to jeff lackey for a great interview and sharing his time and insight. We know he's a busy man, so we really do appreciate it. It's now time for our thoughts of the day. Jeff, what are your thoughts of the day? Yeah, Martin, I, th I think Jeff Lackey is, I mean, he is a student of this game, right? Like he, he understands the sport, he researches, he uses data like nobody else we've ever seen. And uh, I love his insight. And, and I especially love the fact that he talked about character and, how, and what it takes to build a great athlete. And if you had somebody with Michaela's character, that you would have a chance to replicate her model. And, uh, you know, I, I, he's a deep practice guy. And, and it reminded me of the book, The Talent Code, and I know you've read it, um, where they research these talent hotbeds across the world. And the commitment is, to deep practice or focused practice and time on task. And we talked about that with Jeff and talked about time in the gates versus time free skiing and the extra time on snow and how difficult it is in ski racing or skiing uh, because you spend a lot of time in lift lines or on the lift. Um, and so uh, I think those, those things that Jeff talked about are really important for coaches to try and build that into their plan and to have those conversations with the kids. And then there's a fine balance between how much kids are having fun and focusing on their practice. So, you know, Kara, I know that, you know, you have kids in the program and, and they're committed to, to practice. So what are your thoughts of the day? Yeah, Jeff, skiing is an individual sport, right? Like everyone knows that, but in listening to Jeff speak, I feel like I finally got a glimpse into the role of the team behind the athlete. Jeff talks about his travel schedule and the fact that he hasn't seen his wife and kids in a, a while. Like, frankly, he sounds exhausted and, and I hope he doesn't mind me saying this, but at times he sounded even a little bit grumpy, but he's a ski coach. So I guess that comes with the territory. 
But at the same time, you can you can also tell that Jeff is extremely passionate about what he does and intensely driven. And and there's a lot of talk about egos and ski coaching. But after listening to Jeff speak, it struck me how sort of selfless this job can be. Like, yeah, he gains notoriety for being Michaela Schifrin's coach for the last six years in which she like rose to superstardom. But at what cost like to him and his family? Like he's on the road for for what, 10 plus months a year? It's It's no wonder he sounds a little bit grumpy. Um, it takes a special kind of person to be able to do this. And he's obviously um, has the skill, the work ethic and and the magic that uh, that obviously this team is benefiting from. So, I mean, how unbelievably rewarding must it be to know that that he's making um, a difference in the sport? And there's no mistake in that we're witnessing history with Michaela Schifrin and Jeff Lackey has been an important part of her ascent. I just thought it was a really fascinating interview, um, Jeff and Martin and Martin, uh, I'm interested in hear your thoughts of the day as a, as a coach with a long, huge career. I've got a few thoughts. One, um, I mentioned it at the beginning, big asterisks on everything in this episode. One, he's talking about Michaela Schifrin, the best skier, arguably, of all time, not your 12-year-old. Let's keep that in mind, and it just puts the whole conversation in perspective. I really like a couple of things. Um, when he spoke of the gates or obstacles and skiing and skiing, it's all about the movement patterns and building those movement patterns. So when he talks about time on task, again, for Michaela, the time on task is different than what the time on task that we're doing with our athletes, um, our, our 12 year olds, our 14 year olds, our 16 year olds, the time on task changes, that task changes and develops. And it's about the fundamentals and the competency of those and I love how he talked about the compound effect of those. If those fundamentals are sound early, you reap rewards over and over um, in the future. The biggest thing for me is I've spent my, my life as a coach trying to squeeze one, 2% more out of athletes. I often use the analogy of an orange and you just squeeze and manipulate and maneuver to get a little bit more juice out of this orange. And that's what we've been focused on. I love how Jeff mentioned, what if coaches got two, three, four percent better. As a coach, we have an impact on a huge number of athletes in our career. And if I'm five percent better, that means each athlete I work with has an opportunity to get five percent better. That's the low-hanging fruit. The low-hanging fruit's not getting a little bit more out of this 12-year-old, this 14-year-old, this 16-year-old. The low-hanging fruit is let's be better coaches, better prepared, a little bit more empathetic, and a little bit more thoughtful. I 100% agree with you, Martin. And, and it goes back to what Jeff said earlier at the beginning of the podcast. He, um, Jeff Lackey is a bit of a nerd. He's a bit of a ski nerd. And I love that about him. After hearing him talk, like it, it really made me think uh, about things that I, you know, I, I want to share this with, uh, with the coaches that I work with, um, the coaches that are coaching U10s, U12s, up to 14, 16, you know, they, they can learn a lot and about how to make yourself a better coach. There's, you know, there's no reason why we can't be uh, improving our skills in the off season or even, even during the season. I just think that's really cool and inspiring. Amen to that. So let's get to it. Let's go find that 5% better in all of us. Um, thanks so much for a great uh, episode this week. We we'll hope to see you back here soon on the next turn. Be well.